Hi, I'm Kerr Fakreldine with Chicago Area Archivists, and welcome to Season 2 of Chicago Open Archives. This season, we will be diving into the archival origin stories of archive professionals from around the Chicagoland area. Today, I am here with Allison Hinterleiter, the Lloyd Lewis Curator of Modern Manuscripts at the Newberry Library. Allison, thank you for coming in. It's my pleasure, Care. So we're talking with archivists about their origin stories. Yes. So before we get into your background and what really led you into the profession, let me just ask, how do you explain what you do for a living to people at a family gathering who might not even know what archives are or what an archivist does? Uh, yeah, that is a good question. I, um, To put it simply... If I only have a few seconds before dinner is served or something, I tell them I make order out of chaos. <laughs> and sometimes that makes them want to ask more questions. But generally, I tell them that I help researchers do their research, mm -hmm. essentially. I am there to be the facilitator of uh, manuscript collections and archives that come in very messy and difficult to decipher, and I arrange them and describe them so that they're made accessible. Sounds like a great explanation to me. What led you to this when you were, say, in high school? Did you have any idea about what archives were, or did you think about becoming an archivist? I didn't really uh, delve into archives until I was in college, when I was an undergrad. And I started out learning more about special collections, so rare books and limited edition, uh, early antiquarian books, and then from there I kind of went into archives. I've got a good origin story, though. So I went to undergrad at Oberlin College. And my senior year, I was lucky enough to get into a seminar taught by a professor named Gloria Watkins, who is, uh, her pseudonym is Bell Hooks. So Bell Hooks, the author, was teaching a seminar class on slave narratives. And my project for her was to assemble uh, what was called a pathfinder at the time. This is the 1980s, so pre-internet. And the libraries developed these research guides, printed research guides called Pathfinders. And Oberlin, being an abolitionist college, had a lot of both primary and secondary sources on slave narratives. So I went into special collections and delved into their slave narrative collection. And then I provided a list of those primary sources along with journal articles and other books that were secondary sources about slave narratives. And I gave that to the professor, and Bell Hooks looked at me, and she said, you want to be a librarian, don't you? And I said, actually, yes, I do. I'm really interested in it. And she said, we think you should be an archivist because the pay is better, it's a less female-dominated profession, and it's more interesting. Now, it turns out she was write about one of those three. <laughs> um, it's definitely more interesting, I think, than libraries, just because you're working with primary sources. But she really was the first inspiration for me to pursue archives instead of special collections, rare books, and limited ed edition books. That's fascinating. Have you followed her career as she's gone on and then 
become, I presume, more famous than she was at the time. She was pretty famous even in the 80s, and she was definitely a maverick. She would write articles about how, you know, sometimes a student and professor relationship is okay. And so, uh, you know, she really kind of touched off a lot of nerves and uh, and opinions at that point. She's definitely gone on to become much more famous. And, and yes, I've followed her. I haven't read everything of hers, but I've read quite a bit of hers. I'm, I'm a, still a huge fan of hers. And she was a great teacher. She was a great mentor. A lot of people at Oberlin really looked up to her. She was just a visiting professor for a year, but I still hear people talking about her Toni Morrison class that I wish I could have taken. I was on the waiting list for that. So were you also an undergrad when you first became associated with the Newberry? Yes, I was. The Newberry is part of this Associated Colleges of the Midwest consortium of small liberal arts colleges around the Midwest. And Oberlin is also a member. And so I had the opportunity to spend a semester at the Newberry Library and do basically one large research project. So it was, it was a setup where the first six weeks there would be group readings and discussion. And then the remainder of the term would all be writing one big thesis paper. So I was at the Newberry doing research as an undergrad, which was really exciting. And then they also gave me a part-time job, so I was photocopying things for people. So I got to see sort of the backstage of the Newberry at the time. I was in the reading room, but then I was also in the staff area photocopying rare books and manuscripts for people. And then when they ran out of stuff for me to do, they gave me an assignment writing up the finding aid for the Malcolm Cowley papers. Malcolm Cowley was a literary critic who was, he worked for Viking Press, and he also knew a lot of famous authors, including uh, William Faulkner and Ernest Hemingway and Jack Kerouac and Ken Kesey. So his correspondence was great, but I didn't have any sort of relationship with the firsthand correspondence at the time. I was just writing up the finding aid on a very rudimentary word processor. But I still was very excited about it, and I knew that this was kind of leading me on a path towards librarianship and then eventually to to the archival profession. So you started as a student. A student, a student worker. worker at the Newberry, and now you're a curator at the Newberry. Right. But I have a sense that there was quite a bit of stuff in between, including <laughs> library school. Yes. Um, So so I I went uh, out west to library school at uh, UC Berkeley, and then I came back. So I got my MLIS, and then I came back to Chicago in the early 90s. And um, there weren't a lot of jobs at the time that were steady full-time. There were part-time jobs, and there were grant-funded jobs. And most of the grant-funded jobs were for processing archivists. So I landed whatever job I could get. I knew I wanted to stay in Chicago, so I kind of bopped around from the Newberry to the Chicago History Museum and then to the Chicago Public Library and after that to the Chicago Symphony Orchestra Archives. I started there as a volunteer, and then I became a part-time worker and then 
finally got a full-time job there. In the meantime, I was doing freelance work at the Museum of Contemporary Art and at the Old Town School of Folk Music, both of whom had small archives and just wanted a consultant, so I was able to do that for them. And then eventually I got another grant job at the Newberry, um, and I stayed on for a couple of consecutive grants and then finally got a full-time paying job there in 2006. So it was a long, you know, a good like 10, 15 years of working on grants and working on, you know, soft money until I got a job for sure. That's amazing that you were able to work with all those different institutions in the city. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it's great for learning a lot of different things. I mean, I also have a music background, but at Chicago History Museum, I learned about architectural photographs because I worked with the Hedrick Blessing Company's architectural photo collection. And then when I worked at Chicago Public Library, I was assigned to work on Mayor Harold Washington's papers. And I'm not a native Chicagoan, so I wasn't in Chicago at the time that Mayor Washington had that office. And so I learned a lot quickly. I read a lot of biographies about Mayor Washington. I went through his papers. I talked to people. Yeah, it was a very rewarding job there, too. Although that was part-time, so I was always kind of looking for full-time work at the same time. So you mentioned your music background. One of the things that we're going to try to do on the Chicago Open Archives Season 2 is give a full sense of what each archivist is all about as okay. a person. So would you care to share some about your musical interest? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think a lot of archivists wear different hats. I know people who are poets. I know people who are uh, lecturers, I know people who are musicians, so and teachers too. So I don't think it's that unusual for an archivist to have a second interest or hobby or, or even a second profession. I am a pianist and a keyboard player, so I play classical music, both solo recitals and I play with a chamber group. And then I also play keyboards in a rock band, The Handcuffs. And you can look us up online at thehandcuffsband.com. And we play around town. And I've been doing all of those things all my life. So it's definitely been great. And it's a great way to break the ice when you're an archivist and you're meeting a donor for the first time and they ask about you and you ask about them and somebody's got a musical interest, we definitely connect right away. So that, that is just a bonus really to my work. Does being a musician make you a better archivist? I think so. Um, or does being an archivist make you a better musician? That I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a good question. That's more philosophical <laughs> care. I think that the discipline that you get from being a classical musician, the amount of time you put into a piece of work to practice it and make it work is very helpful to working in archives where, you know, you may be working on a very large collection of material. Like I've worked on enormous archives of railroad companies, and you have to kind of pace yourself and be disciplined and stick with it. You also need to be a good time manager. I think musicians have great time management. So I think there's a lot of skills in just sort of patience and discipline in music that translates well to working with archives. And also just a curiosity. 
both things require you to be constantly curious about what's happening around you and, and to be able and accepting to learning new things. I know that with archives, there's so much like trivial information swimming around in my brain, but I love it. And I love to always learn something new every day, even if it's just a piece of trivia. So on that angle, what is your typical day like now as the curator of modern manuscripts at the Newberry Library? What are some things that happen on a typical day? Well, um, this is a position I've only had for about a year, so I still feel like I'm getting my feet wet. But almost every day I get a donation of some sort and or an offer of a donation of some sort. So collection development is a large part of what I do. And for donations that are massive, say a journalist wants to give me 100 boxes of his entire career, I defer that to a collection development steering committee just because it's a lot to take on. And the committee talks with me and we go back and forth about the pluses and minuses of having such a large collection enter the stacks and what the research value is for all of that. And sometimes I'll just get something through the mail, just a little a postcard or a letter or a scrapbook or something like that. And I get phone calls all the time where someone says, you know, my organization is now 25 years old. We've been looking for a place to house our archives. Can I meet with you? I meet with people all the time. I talk to people about their personal papers. I talk to them about their organizational archives or business archives, their family papers. So it's a very one-on-one -on -one kind of family, you know, <laughs> job where you're, you're being a diplomat as well as being the voice of the archive. And a lot of times people have questions about preservation or things like that that I help them with and help them answer. And so a typical day will be fielding two or three of those. I often have meetings with other departments about specific projects. I supervise interns and volunteers and their projects. And uh, if I'm lucky, I do a little processing myself. I still love to do it. I love to have my hands on the actual materials and to put them in order and arrange them and publish a finding aid online. It's all very satisfying to me. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that with us, Allison. It's really great to get a full picture of what it is an archivist does. Well, thanks. I love my job, and I love to sort of entice other people to become archivists. I think it's an extremely satisfying career and enriching. I think we help people as well as feeling personally satisfied, and I would recommend it to anybody. You've been listening to Chicago Open Archives Season 2, Episode 1, with Allison Hinterleiter of the Newberry Library. I'm Care Fackrell dean Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Area Archivist COA podcast. We would like to thank our gracious interviewees, the Chicago Area Archivist Steering Committee, Engineer Allison Shine Holmes, WFMT, and the Project Chair, Danielle Nowak, for their time and efforts. To hear more, you can find both Season 1 and 2 of the COA podcast available on YouTube. For more information on the Chicago Area Archivists, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or our website, chicagoarchivists.org.